the um, uh, the gift of prophecy and how prophetic people prophesy. Now, to prophesy really means to preach the word of the Lord by unction of the Holy Spirit. So you're not just repeating something interesting you heard or somebody else's teaching or somebody else's word of prophecy that God gave them, but you are actually speaking by unction. The unction really is the living power of the Holy Spirit that is prompting you to speak. Now, you've got to understand now, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak, that word is in season, it's appropriate, it's accurate, and it's fitting. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. And so if, you are, if your word is fit and appropriate for the occasion, it's because that unction to speak has come upon you. I had to learn that, that you didn't blurt everything out that you thought God was telling you, but you wait for God. I was, would always ask God to give me an open door and an oper- or an opportunity to speak something. Now, there were times, though, when he would just lay it on me, and it was like, well, don't even ask for an open door. Just speak. You know, you, you know those times as well. And so, but <clears throat> it's always good to uh, let a door of, of acceptance be created by the word that you have. Now, there are times when that word is so badly needed that it creates its own door. You got me? So sometimes that, that the Bible says the Lord has spoken who can help but prophesy. Your word is like fire shut up in my bones. But the spirit of prophecy is subject to the prophet. The prophecy isn't something that grabs your mouth and you have no control. You always have control because the Holy Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Amen. And so you always can hold a, a word or something like that. You may not think you can. I know when I was young uh, in the ministry and, and we'd get utterances, I thought, well, if I don't say it, it's, it's, where is it going to go? You know, it's not going to come back anymore or something like that. But, but then I read the Bible. <laughs> the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So it's your, your spirit is subject to you. You know, that's yeah. You know, what I think as believers, we need to think as of ourselves as being more in control of things. You know, more in control of your life, your words, what you do, where you go, what you say, all of those things. You have, we have a great deal of control over things that relate to us, and our words are definitely that way. Uh, many times, <clears throat> we haven't been accustomed to governing ourselves in the right way or governing your words, governing your utterance. I can tell you this, if you determine to speak the word only, your words will be more powerful and they will be have more authority in the earth. Oftentimes people who are, are careless with their words will oftentimes scatter words in both kingdoms. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, like I, I can get up in the morning sometimes and I'm everything from a decrepit old lady to ready for the home. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, it's a crime against the elderly about to happen if I don't make it across my bedroom floor, you know, that kind of thing. And then I'll catch myself and realize that as, as the, the spokesperson or prophet over my own life, 
I need to bless my life and bless myself and bless my body and bless my way. Even though part of that might be a little bit true. We don't want to build that up. We want to discourage that. And so as we as we find, as we use our, our words, if we can be careful to speak words uh, in the same kingdom, keep all your words over into God's realm so that God can work on your words. If you'll bank that up, so to speak, you have a lot coming to you that's good. There are blessings coming to you. But if you don't keep it banked in God, you're going to have your your um, faith scattered in two different kingdoms. And then you'll be scared which one's going to come to pass, you know. So when you're when you're in God's kingdom and God's kingdom alone, you can expect good things. Your faith will work all the time. It'll be wonderful. <clears throat> and God will begin to trust you to speak his word into other people's lives. Uh, you have to be trustworthy with your words. Amen. The Bible says if you if you make vows and pay them. It means don't shoot your mouth off if you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. That's what it is when you make a vow. When you say you're going to do something and you pay it, you follow through on it. Uh, then he says that you will decree a thing and you'll have it. Why? Because you're, you're a person of integrity. You're imitating God. He, When he tells you something, he does it. And he wants his kids to be the same way. So you have to pay your vows. You have to do what you say you're going to do. You can't have excuses all the time. Huh? You know, some people like to excuse themselves from everything. Excuse makers don't make good prophets. They don't make good Christians. I mean, just even the basics basics of the Christian life, if you're accustomed to letting yourself off the hook because you don't feel this or you don't feel that, or, you know, spiritual people say God told them something, you know, <laughs> something other than what he told everybody else. Uh, so if you if you will look at that as your your honor, the honor that you carry in the earth is that you make commitments, you say you follow through on what you say you're going to do. When you're given an assignment, something expected of you, you fulfill that. You don't disappoint people who are who are depending on you. These are these are all part of integrity, and that makes your words. As a prophet or a prophetic person, that makes your words more uh, reliable to God, and that, that that shows you value words. So you have to value words. You can't just think they're they're things to sound good in people's ears. You know, a lot of times we'll say things just to go along with the crowd, and you know, when it's time to pay up. We forget we even told somebody something. Why? Because we're we're not people of integrity. We don't want to follow through on things. We want to do what's convenient. And so when you're a person of integrity, the Bible says you will swear to your own hurt. It means it, it, if it hurts you to keep your word, you just keep your word, you know. How many parents have promised your kids things and then <clears throat> when you thought you'd have extra money and you found you had to take the money you had for yourself or something else you wanted to do and put it on your child? It's very common for good parents. And so it's the same thing with, with you as a Christian. In other things, you give your word about something. You want to keep your word because you value your word. 
you must value your words. Put high uh, uh, value on your words, and that's integrity. Once you have a handshake, a commitment, that kind of thing, you must keep your word. You can't get up to the threshold. I guarantee you somebody's going to call you until you shut that door to the devil. Every time you get ready to go do something for God, somebody's going to call you with something else to do. Or or you'll think, I know sometimes people, you know, if you've been estranged from people in your family, or, you know, a cousin came in from out of town, and, and you know, they called you Friday night, want to get together with you on Saturday, and you know you have prayer on Saturday. And, oh, this is an answer to prayer, because they've been, you know, uh, they just came in from out of town. Well, the devil can buy a plane ticket. He buys them all. He owns airplanes. You got me? Well, I liked it. Listen, the devil can't get you on cheap stuff anymore or shouldn't be able to. He's going to have to up the ante in order to get you to disobey God. Huh? He'll have somebody breeze into town and, oh, you know, especially your Christian friends. Oh, they know the Lord. Are you going to keep your word or are you going to break it? Well, it gets down to that. Huh? It gets down to that. Now, see, this is where you get into the mean te- territory. You know, this is where you're mean. If you think like this, she doesn't have any feelings. Oh, I see why she doesn't have any friends. No, Jesus is my best friend. I have as many friends as he brings me. Huh? But a friend will not cause you to break a vow you made to God. You tell them you're committed on Saturdays and you, you can't go anyplace else. You know, let that devil pick at you. Then you'll see exactly what's under that little cloak of friendship that they put on. Huh? Let him keep talking. See, they all reveal who they are pretty soon. Sooner or later, we all know who who in the zoo. Huh? Hmm? Oh, yeah. So, so as a person of integrity, that's the first thing you have to do before God will put his word in your mouth. And you have to know and obey the word. You've got to have the word grafted in you so that you walk it out. Huh? So that you're obedient to God's word. Even if it hurts your feelings to have to obey God. Hmm? Some things you're not supposed to do. So God will put the stops on that. And have you just go do something else. Hmm? He will. You know, I made up my mind. I thought to myself, I said, Lord, you know what? I could really save money. I mean, I could really be a saver. You know, sometimes, you know, what we, most of you know, my, when my husband passed away 10 years ago, it, uh, it threw my finances back. I had to be very cautious with the way I spent money. And one of the things I missed most about him was patting that rascal down. What's a life? You know, just to see if he got 
good at hiding stuff from me yet. You know, what you got on you? You know, this is where they, right before they come home from work. Then I flip them around and put them back in the holster. Practice in my draw. But anyway, where was I? I was in my reverie. Excuse me. All you men say hello, amen, praise the Lord, whatever. See, men get scared when you talk about women holding them up. Huh? Yeah, whatever. But y'all like to be stuck up anyway, and I know it. Find some woman you like, and she real cute, and you marry her, she stick you up all the time. You say, Come on, she gonna take my money. <laughs> oh boy. It gets show enough broke messing around. Yeah. Oh, nothing left for nobody else. You no fancy ideas. They get too much money in their pocket. They want to go find some other woman to spend it on. I'm not stupid. I'm saved. I'm not stupid. You hear me? Turn them pockets inside out. Let me see the whites of thy pockets. Anyhow. <clears throat> anyway. Anywho. I'll laugh. You. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. God is good. I was thinking about that. I, there's a commercial I like now. I don't know if y'all seen it. Some, you seen a new Fiat commercial? Or the little guy with his latte? Yeah, there's a little guy sipping a latte, and he's. It shows him he's. Standing on the uh, uh, at the curb, and they show this really pretty girl that's much taller than he is. She's bending over, like straightening her shoe, and she looks up and sees him. And she comes over and slaps him, takes him from zero to sixty in one second, and brings him back down again. Then she feels bad about slapping him and wants to help him drink his latte and schmoozing all over him, everything. She takes him back down to zero. It's all in two seconds. But it's a car commercial, so that's how he's in love with, that's how it, this looking at this car makes you feel, you know, like you've been assailed by some pretty woman out of nowhere. But uh, kind of reminded me of my old days, you know. Ah, ah marriage. Ah. Anyway, but anyhow. Okay, so we're talking about being people of integrity, keeping your word. <laughs> how we got over there, I don't know. But uh, it's good to keep your word. You know, it's good to be a person that honors and values your word. When you have a commitment to be somewhere, be there. God is depending on you just like you depend on him. We don't like to look at it that way, but it is true. And before he will trust you with words to speak for him to somebody else, you have to have these things lined up on the inside of you. You've got to know God's word. You've got to study God's word. You've got to rightly divide the word. And you have to honor his word. And don't think he won't use you. You know, a lot of times people think, well, you know, I'll wait for something that pertains to me. This does pertain to you. 
This is for believers. You want to speak accurately God's word. You don't want to be telling people your opinion all the time. So God has a word for us to speak that will let people go free, that will break chains, and it won't be some religious something you recite to everybody. It'll be an accurate word in season by unction of the Spirit, and it will do the job it wants to do. So then prophecy on page 23 is for edification or building up of the spirit of a person, not the flesh. Prophecy that flatters people and flatters them only is ministering to the soul and the flesh primarily. Now, let me make this clear. Your flesh does hear some of the word of the Lord. See, your flesh will grab onto some of it. But really, <clears throat> the part that appeals to your flesh is merely to let your flesh relax from being against the word and open the door to let it in. Got me? Like the word of knowledge. William Brandon, they said, could tell anybody their address, where they live, what they ate for lunch, blah, 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 blah. Because that part that appealed to their flesh was to cause the flesh to settle in and not resist the rest of the word got me so what you might get you'll get that initial uh, uh, bite you know your flesh can grab onto it and like it at the beginning but then you'll notice the rest of it kind of goes in you can't you can't remember the rest of it you might remember the first sentence or the first couple words or something like that and then the rest of it goes in well that little part that ministers to your flesh should be all there is to a prophecy from God. It shouldn't all get you carried. All of it shouldn't carry you away in the flesh. You got me? If that happens, it is from the flesh. It is from the soul. And and pretty soon, you know, people can get engaged in familiar spirits who can really tell you a lot of stuff about yourself. And it's all flesh then. So you don't want to do that. So <clears throat> prophecy builds up or strengthens the church. Whenever God speaks, something is added to the church and not taken away. Persons who do not have answers or direction in the past become built up by prophecy. So there's a place where prophecy kind of brings everything together for you. It kind of makes it gel, solidifies it, takes the guesswork out. It kind of completes and settles you. So confusion is dispelled as prophecy gives a person new direction and increased understanding of God's love, concern, and care for him. So when you're built up, you have a sense of God cares about you. He loves you. Now, sometimes when when you're servants of God, like ministers, some ministers, you know, they they minister all, everywhere. They run here and there and everywhere. And if they're not careful, they'll get this this thing on them that all they're here for is for for God to send them to help somebody else. You know, you get that false helper attitude and so a prophecy can pull them back in and rein them in to give them that comfort that God loves them and that God is concerned about them and he cares for them so prophecy can really balance out your view of who God is because we all want to serve God we all love God but that shouldn't be you know sometimes you'll get the get the impression that that's all there is to you is somebody that God uses and not a person to God. 
So prophecy can balance your view of God and balance your view of yourself and who you are and the work that you're called to do. So, so many times we think of prophecy as giving orders or direction only, but prophecy reveals God's perception of a person and can describe who they are as far as what God calls them by their gift, calling, and abilities. See, if if you're called as a prophet, then God called you that. That's what he always calls you from to eternity. That'll be your title. Huh? You're not stupid. You're not a dog. You're not, you know, a dimwit. You're not lazy. You're not, but you're a prophet. So when God begins to put his label on you, then that label causes the rest of them to fade into this. that. That is a standout label when God calls you that. That stands out as your true identity. All those other things. You ever notice your identity through life will change many times according to what you do, according to uh, who you're around, uh, how old you are. You know, sometimes when you're growing up, you can be a nerd or an outcast or something. And then, you know, you turn into a beautiful swan when you, you know, turn 18 and lose about 40 pounds. You got me? And so, <laughs> so it'll change. But in God, it never changes. From the foundation of the earth, that is who you're called and what you're called. So your gift, calling, and ability can be pronounced during prophecy. It it can be revealed who you really are. And it'll make sense to you. You'll finally say, well, this is why. And now I understand why. And and this is why I was like this and I was withdrawn and, and you know, this kind of stuff or I, you know, didn't like school that much and I was kind of introspective and I just liked being quiet and, you know, meditating and, you know, things like that. They'll begin to make sense because then you're true who you are once your spirit responds to that label, then it fills in details about who that person is. You need to get details filled in. You need to always seek God for a true revelation and full revelation about your identity so that you you don't go off half-cocked and assuming who you are based on what you see other people do. You need to go in the Word and find out what kind of prophet you are and and what what does your spirit respond to and how does your spirit express the Word of the Lord, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's very important that you follow through on this once you're called and that label or that tag that God has for you, you've been tagged with that, then you need to follow through and get it all filled in. And that you do on your own. You can't live off him calling you up and having somebody prophesy to you A, B, C, and D. You've got to have a hunger to have the gaps filled in. Prophecy does build up your inner man. It allows us to be established and settled in your full identity as a child of God. That label prophet might mean a lot of different abilities in God. Prophecy increases the church and decreases the abilities of the soul and flesh. So your inner man will start to pick up and gain life where your outer man will kind of just lose interest. You know, it's not your outer man isn't driving you anymore. 
It's your inner man. Once your inner man is secure in his identity, you can't shake him into believing something different. He just knows and he flows in it and he's content. So, you know, letting your inner man run your life is the best insurance that God will be in control and you'll be able to do everything God wants you to do. The other thing that prophecy is for is for exhortation. To exhort means to urge, incite by strong argument, advice, or appeal to admonish earnestly. Understandably, this type of message is different from preaching, which persuades, but not, but not as urgently or forcefully. The other thing you need to know about the Word of God, it's not manipulative, and it's not, it's very plain and direct. Because God doesn't have to, he doesn't have to trick you into accepting his word. It doesn't have to be what people use the word tactful. The prophecy is is not tactful. You don't try to figure out how you're going to tell somebody. See, the unction takes care of that. When there's a true unction, you can just spit it out the way that it comes and you don't have to try and figure out how you're going to fix it to make it sound like that's your soul trying to manipulate God's word. So you don't want to be a manipulator of God's word. It won't help people, number one. And you have to do these things by faith, which means that faith will say it and let God settle it. You got me? You just let God settle it after it's said. You have to know your heart. Your heart is to obey God. Not be nice to people or please people or it can't be a people heart. It has to be a God heart. If your heart is toward obeying God, you'll give the word of the Lord. I was speaking with someone um, on the phone, trying to think with this person. It's a young person. And um, they had done something and we were talking on the phone and, and they were wanted to know... Um, if if God had a word for them and the conversation had been so so weird and twisted I was half mad and they were half mad so I was ready to hang up the phone and because I was sure God wasn't in it and God said I do have a word for him I said oops my bad you got me so you can't you can't judge God by human dynamic you know it's, it's and it'll teach you that God's sovereign. Is you don't have to be in the spirit and be sinless. I mean, what's that? You got me? You can flip over in there just out of obedience to God as quickly as he, you flipped out. You can flip back in again. He invites you in. You know, you get into too much religion, then you'll be running stuff. You know, I'm all I'm all for repentance, folks. You know that. I I I think if you if you get before the throne of God and you find yourself a little dirty or you ain't sure, you check the armpits and you you wash. You got me. You wash, and you present yourself faultless before the throne. But God is sovereign. If he puts a word on you, he puts a word on you. You know, and it wasn't wasn't an angry word. I sure hoping for one. 
You got me? Pray. Jonah. You know, we all got a little bit of that nonsense in us. You know. <laughs> Jonah, Jonah was mad at God because he, he spared the, the city. You know? How dare he? I knew he wasn't going to kill nobody. He had me go up here and tell, threaten these people, tell me he's going to kill them. And then look at them. They repent in sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes. So he got mad and sat up under a, a you know, a gourd. God called her a gourd to grow and he sat up under that. He got mad at the gourd because it shriveled up. You know, just mad. He's mad about everything. But God used him anyway. God's sovereign, folks. He's sovereign. The other thing you need to know, if God calls you to do something, he uses you, is because you're the best qualified to do the job. Huh? If he could use somebody else, he'd use somebody else. Trust me. Huh? I'm telling you, it's 90% availability. And and understanding how to yield to God. Instead of do your own program and, and assume he's going to use you because you do everything right. When's that going to happen? And I, I try. You try. Everybody tries. Keep your heart toward God, toward obeying him, doing what he wants you to do. If you keep your heart toward God, you'll do the right thing toward people. Mm-hmm. You will. You will. See, we get it twisted. We're so people conscious and wanting to make sure people like us and they're pleased and they're not mad at us. And we don't check in with God and see what God wants us to do. Huh? People can like you all the way to hell, both for you and for them. You got me? So you, you really have to have your heart steeped in what God wants to carry the word of the Lord. <clears throat> All right, so exhortation means to urge and incite by strong argument, advice, or appeal, to admonish earnestly. So when you exhort someone, you persuade them in a, a strong way that's a little more urgent and forceful than edification. Mm-hmm. Exhortation will will tell you things like, well, God's wondering when you're going to do so and so and such and such. God wants you to do it now. God doesn't want you to put this off. This door is open for you. He's about to open a great door of utterance for you and he wants you to go through it. So to exhort somebody means to give them that push spiritually that they need. And it's a push in the right direction. So exhortation may bring with it a correction of their direction their attitude, or or other things in their life. You will never learn if you're not correctable. We take it from people that don't teach us things that are as important as the Word of God. And, you know, people leave a church because they're confronted and challenged in decisions they make. Leave it and move on because they think church is to tell you what you want to hear. So when you exhort someone, you urge or incite by strong argument. 
I can remember I was in a women's ministry, and that's how we got our meetings full. You know, you we had a follow-up ministry, and you call people in between that meeting, and you talk to them, and you encourage them. Well, God wants you there. You know, you, you we're praying for this and that and that for you, and you really need to be there. You know, it was never begging people to come or, you know, that kind of thing. So we were exhorters. Some people need that push on the inside of them to make the decision to obey God. So this type of message is different from preaching, which persuades, but not as urgently or forcefully. Many times because of wrong influences on our minds, God has to bring us to a position of obedience to his voice through exhortation. A lot of times you might be confused about a decision you have to make. And God will stir you up to go ahead and go the direction he has opened for you to go. Godly exhortation will spur a person to obedience to God. I received a prophecy once which began with a question. God says, why do you keep telling me you can't when I keep telling you you can? So that was the, the, the meat on the end of the hook. See? That was something that caused my flesh to react, to relax because it was focused on my soul. It was to tell me that I was wrong in my assessment of my ability. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, I can't tell you exactly what was said, but that part I remember because it went into my soul where it could come back to my remembrance and I could say, oh boy, you know, I can do this. This is the main thing that God's told me that I can't. And then he be just get, began to fill in some things and tell me uh, what God began to see in me and how other people saw me and, and what he was expecting me to do, et cetera, et cetera. So the rest of it is in my spirit, but it's not coming right up, you know, to my soul. It wasn't remembered in my soul. So God was exhorting me to believe him that when he tells me he is with me to strengthen me and all that I could do, I should believe him. You know, you just have to believe God's with you in things. Many other good things were born in my heart when I received that prophecy. God strongly urged me to believe in what he had done in my life thus far and would continue to do. I was changed in my perception and understanding of both God and myself. So a word of prophecy will change your perception of God and of yourself. It will bring a, a different viewpoint to what it is that, that you, you didn't know that before, but now you know that. This changed perception caused me to act in line with what God said about me, not what I used to be. So you start to act in line with what God says about you, what your calling is. That's why I tell people, if you're called, you don't have to tell people over and over again. There will be some evidence of that calling. You'll start to act in line with it, and then it will start to come to pass. So the exhortation actually provokes us and challenges us. It moves you off of of the status quo. It will move you off of complacency. Sometimes you're getting too comfortable where you are. Like God told Abraham to get up and move and keep moving. So that's our walk with Christ. We keep moving from glory to glory, from one understanding of God to the next understanding so that we can serve and and serve humanity. The other area that, that it brings is comfort. 
So if you've ever been distressed or perplexed, you will understand why the comfort of the Holy Spirit is necessary. Many people think that the comfort of the Holy Spirit is merely a warm feeling. But let me ask you this. When you were small and fell and hurt yourself, how did your mother comfort and bring reassurance to you that everything would be all right? She used words. Amen. Words as well as touch. Amen. It is the same thing with God. Comfort, therefore, relieves fears, doubts, pain, and gives consolation. We need comfort in times of trial, persecution, and loss. The Holy Spirit will give a word of prophecy to comfort us when we need it most. When we're in great distress and in need of answers that will reassure us of God's love and good plans for us, he may send a prophecy to us to bless and comfort us. So he wants to bring comfort. Comfort also comes in in reassurance of of something that's already been spoken. Sometimes you'll you'll feel so far away from where God wants you to be that you need to get told that you're still in the game you know you're still in the race and so comfort kind of brings you back into position where you have an assurance that you're blessed of God amen because you haven't really gone anywhere except in your head (laughs) in your crazy head uh most of us it'll let you Thoughts and emotions get carried away and dominate and things like that. And so a word of prophecy or or just a word in season, you know, prophecy, when we say that, people think of telling the future all the time. But prophecy is just the word of the Lord that comes to you by unction of the spirit. So it's a word that will come to you. Sometimes a person can just walk up to you and say something just out of nowhere. And it's a prophecy because it came by unction of the spirit and it settled you. So those things can happen when you're I think being a Christian is one of the best things in the world, because if you're with a body of believers, your knees will get taken care of. You know, somebody will have something to encourage you or comfort you or or, uh, uh, you know, reassure you, you know, that that you're where you need to be in God. And and so those things are very, very important, you know, as, as the body is able to maintain itself, bring health and healing and wholeness and soundness to itself. This is how we do that is through just what we share back and forth through words. So always let your words be words of of the word of God, number one. Your words should line up with God's word. And and then you'll be more help to people because then the word can come to you in a way that it will, will settle you. You'll feel built up from having been around God's people. You know, you, you'll feel built up every time you're around the people of God. Amen. It's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing. So God will send a prophecy to bless and comfort us. Many prophecies have all three elements in one. So there's a prophecy will extend into a message. Sometimes it can only will only contain one or two, but overall the prophecy should leave the person with a sense of increase instead of decrease, gain instead of loss, comfort instead of pain, and clarity instead of confusion. Amen. 
So it builds you up in that way. It does not, God, the Bible says, is not the author of confusion, but of shalom, of peace, of wholeness, soundness. He wants everybody to be made whole in every way. And so when prophecy comes, that is the word of God to us, and it will leave us with those things. We will be the better for it and not the worse. It says uh, it should be leave you with a sense of increase and not decrease, gain and not loss, comfort, not pain, clarity, and not confusion. Sometimes prophecy may contain things that our flesh doesn't want to hear. God does not prophesy to your flesh, does he? Only your spirit man can carry out the word of the Lord. So it it may kind of crucify your flesh or minimize the importance of your flesh when it comes. So your spirit man can stand up. In times like this, go with the inner witness of the Spirit. People sometimes don't want to hear what God has to say. So the Holy Spirit will always witness to the truth. But the overall purpose of prophecy is to bring what the Bible refers to as wholeness. It's to make you whole. Many of the difficulties we get into... In, in our attempts to obey God, has to do with the missing pieces that we don't have. You know, we're fragmented. And so when God makes you whole, that means you're intact and entire and you lack nothing. So that when, when God comes through for you, you can definitely say that God did everything that he said he was going to do. You can't blame anybody for the fact that you're where you are. You know you know what God told you and you know what he said. And you know how he positioned you, all of those things. So that everything that, that you need for going forward in life has been done for you. And prophecy does that. No, it really does that. So that's why I believe God can take us farther uh, as if we're influenced by prophecy. It'd take us much farther than he ever could when we had the Bible and we had maybe a limited number or type of ministry gifts to minister to us. Now that we have prophets who can carry the word of the Lord and impart that anointing for believers to carry the word of the Lord, we can go far because we can get answers that are immediate. We can get answers that are empower people. We can help people to go forward. You know, many people wonder, you know, about uh, movements like the Azusa Street Revival and so the different ministers, they just went to that meeting and sat there until God spoke to them and told them what to do. And when they left, they were empowered to go into all the world, preach the gospel with signs following. So many of the healing ministries were born during that time. And they didn't take three years and go to seminary. And you understand what I'm saying? They receive power. And if you see it, it's the early church was the exact same way. Because there's something in that atmosphere, that prophetic atmosphere, that causes that word to come alive. It cuts time off of it. It cuts struggle off of it. It just is a, a, an impartation that gets into a person that lifts them up into their calling 
empowers them to go forward and gives them a determination to stay out there. You know, you get all the tools in in one visit that you need to go on in God. So when prophecy starts to come, folks, it's a good thing because then we're enabled in a greater way to go out and carry out the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand, know, and hear the word of the Lord. Prophecy is a blessing, causes us to rise up in our inner man and our spirit man in you. And we thank you, Lord, for that gift. Thank you, Father, that we would all prophesy, that we would all have a respect for you and your word, and to be carriers of your word, not for any, anything pertaining to our flesh, any kind of excitement to our flesh, but to carry out the word of the Lord as your servants to empower humanity to be victorious and successful in everything that we set our hands to. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Okay, Miss Nola, what do you think? Can we make it there in time? Okay. All righty. We're going to stop right here where we are. We'll do the offering and the quiz.